They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. David Bowie is rolling over in his grave right now. This is a lot quicker than I remember. Let's do this. Let's dance! Put on your red shoes and dance the blues! Let's dance to the song that they're playing on the radio! Let's sway! What color lights up your face? Ooh! Let's sway! Sway through the crowd to an empty space! Wait a minute, what? If you, you say, say run, run, I'll run, run with, with you. And if you say hide, Peek-a-boo. we'll hide, we'll hide, we'll hide, we'll hide. I don't know the uh, rest of this I song. I don't know this song. <laughs> <laughs> this is some Welcome. weirdo version. Welcome, everybody. You can't see us, but we're salsa dancing. This is here. very strange, uh, this version, but it is the only one we could get our hands on. So the only one we can afford. You're welcome, cat. Uh, yes, thank you so much for joining us. It's Thoughts That Rock, your favorite podcast. We give you a couple pieces of life-changing advice. You say thank you. You give us a five-star review, and you tell a friend. That's how we do it around here. That's right. And we're pretty excited today because yep. uh, our show is going to be sponsored by, you guessed it, Bad Halloween candy. Bad Halloween candy. <laughs> yeah. What's the worst candy there is out there? If you were oh. walking up, you're dressed up as a goblin and, uh, you know, somebody opens the door and throws this in your bag. What? At what point do Let you go, tell you are you kidding me? They give me an individually wrapped Twizzler. <sighs> I'm like, I want to just take it and slap them straight across the face. Right in the face. From right to left. You know how much effort it goes into to open a single wrapped Twizzler? It's not fun. It's demonic. You may as well just give me a Charleston chew. A Charleston chew. <laughs> Why don't I just leave you my fillings here before I leave your front door? How about that? Speaking of fillings, how about a $100,000 grand bar? Is it a hundred? What is this? Bar? Is this 1973? <laughs> hey. Hey, you know what? How about some Smarties? Now, some of you are going to be like, oh my God, I love Smarties. You should be in the psych ward because Smarties are for crazy people. Smarties are disgusting. No one likes Smarties. At all. How about something boring like Werther's? What am, what am I, 88 years old? <laughs> I'm just saying. Should I leave my dentures here before I before I walk off your front stoop? All right. How about Andy's? The, I'm talking about the Thin Mint. You know the ones you get at Olive Garden? I hoard those things up so all year to hand you, it out as Halloween candy. I'm like, what, what are you, fancy pants now? All of a sudden, it's like, hey, kid, come here. Let me give you an end. I get some salad and breadsticks <laughs> and a tour of Italy. They give me some mint. I save it up all year. I'm giving up breadsticks this year. It's I like, got it. I got it. What is it? Worst Halloween. Yeah. Toblerone. Toblerone? <laughs> what are we in the Swiss Alps? <laughs> what is it? What is, I, don't even, I don't even know what Toblerone is. Could I have some Halloween candy, Could please? I have some Toblerone? <laughs> I feel like a, I need a giant horn. How about a pocket full of dum-dums? <laughs> Same in my last band. <laughs> pocket full of dum-dums. Ladies and gentlemen. How about a big old wad of that baseball chew? 
Oh no! I not listen. I know. Watch your mouth. Now I've gone Watch too far. I've gone too far. Big League Chew is there is that's the they should they should outlaw all other gum and force you to eat Big League Chew. I feel like you and I are on opposite ends of the Halloween candy spectrum. Like you probably like mounds and almond joy, right? Uh, yes, because I'm an American. Hello, that's I like orange slices and candy corn. Is there something wrong with that? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, orange slices and candy corn. That is the grossest combination. Ugh. I don't know how much money we're making from bad Halloween candy, but <laughs> we're at that time of the year. It's a freaky, crazy year, you and that's what? just how we're rolling this time. Listen, for those of you that are still listening after <laughs> that garbage opening, <laughs> we uh, uh, we want to talk to you about Certified Rockstar. Now that I can get behind. Yeah. You know, you can come and you can get your free little weekly tidbits here and there. Okay. That's fine. But that's mm-hmm. like a single wrapped Twizzler. Twizzler stick. Exactly. Right. You want the family size bag of I want, Twizzlers. I want, a pa- I want a pound bag. Now you're talking about something else. You're right? talking about. Uh, well, I'm talking about either our half day. Love it. Our full day. Mm-hmm. Our multi day. Can't wait. Or even our virtual. We have a virtual offering now. Ooh. Very excited about it. Check it out, certifiedrockstar.com. It is the edutaining culture and leadership training program you've been looking for. Listen, your people are bored to death right now. They need some excitement. You know who brings the excitement? You and I. <laughs> Boom. From a distance. God, he's so, Six minutes he's into so every episode. Proper. He's so proper, right? Right. He's like, you know who brings the swag? You and I. You and I. <laughs> That's how I roll. You're talking as if there's a third person in there. <laughs> I'm looking at KT. Oh, She's right here. I got She's you. staring at us both. Listen, if you like the show and uh, you know, you've made it the six minutes in, <laughs> do us a favor. Give us a five star rating and a review. Yes. Tell us how you feel. That actually yep. really does make a difference because that puts more eyeballs on the show and then we can give more money to who, Brant? Cannonball Kids Cancer. Oh, so formal. We support the work of CKC. Um, They actually go out and fund options if people can't find options for the pediatric cancer they're battling. We would love it if you would check them out. CannonballKidsCancer.org. Those guys rock. Listen, we know how busy you are. And just trying to find a moment. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about the audience, the proverbial you. Sorry. Y-O-U capitals. Okay. Listen, we know how busy you are. Life's coming at you at about 100 miles an hour. And you're just trying to figure out, you know, how can I make my life better? And so we get it. You're probably listening to the show, but I bet you you're doing something else at the same time. And it doesn't really matter to us what you're doing. You could be trying to opt out of your timeshare deal. Enter. Maybe you're watching seahorses in an aquarium. (laughs) Maybe you're stripping down a BMW for body parts. (laughs) Hey, where's the... Doesn't really matter to us. We just want to be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to. Let's get this thing started. Where's the boot? Our guest today is my dear friend of 20 plus years, Kat Cole, who is the chief operating officer and president of Focus Brands which is the parent company of brands that you probably know and love. It's Cinnabon and Auntie Anne's and Moe's and Carvel and Jamba Juice and a couple others. And we've just, uh, we've been very lucky to have some fantastic cultural experiences together from, I don't know, Cat Napa Valley to Ethiopia, right? And just been yeah. very <laughs> fortunate, I have, to, to really watch your career just skyrocket over the years. And 
Brandt. She truly is, I think, our industry's rock star. So first and foremost, Kat, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Thanks for having me. So excited to see what you guys are building here. And likewise, I've loved seeing your evolution from corporate training guru to thought leader in the space and always cheering you on from afar. So super happy to be on. Oh my gosh. You, I could have said the exact same things back at you. I mean, we, Brant, you know, we, uh, I knew Kat when we were both, you know, same thing, corporate training managers. And, you know, she literally now is just uh, not just running an empire, but honestly, I, I might say this every once in a while facetiously, but for her, she is changing the world. She is just... What an amazing human. So thank you for that. But really right back at you. And we'll obviously have uh, your entire bio posted in the show notes. And everybody listening, you got to go and check her her bio out. It is amazing for sure. Just a couple things though. I thought would I would pull out. You know, if you don't know Focus Brands, you know, Kat leads about 6,500 global operations in some 50 countries and, and literally producing billions of dollars in sales and I think, um, you know, and Kat, you can correct me, you're focusing a lot on the multi-brand licensing and the packaged goods businesses. Um, but really, I knew her, you know, really starting out in the early days, starting off as a server and a global trainer at Hooters. And eventually she was a vice president there. And, and uh, we knew each other through Chart, which is an association of hospitality trainers. Kat went on to become president of Cinnabon. You know, she uh, is a past member of the United Nations Global Entrepreneurs Council. That's amazing. Uh, we were just talking about this before we started recording that your uh, CBS episode of Undercover Boss is still, I think, the highest rated and most watched episode ever. And I know that's just because of you and your heart. And Brant, she's just won too many awards to list here. She is truly the example of the American and entrepreneurial dream. I'd hate to be the person who has to follow Cat Call. Somebody, somebody has to. Somebody has to do it. We got to go find a, you know, it's got to be Michelle Obama or they're out of luck. Yes. Well, that's why we waited a year. We tried to get a lot of the dead weight out of the way. Next week, it's going to be like, and here's Frank. Here's Joey from next door. He's got something he wants to say. Joey Pancakes. So, uh, Kat, uh, thank you for all that. Um, Versus our traditional uh, interview style that you might hear on other podcasts, we get right to the point of sharing these great pieces of advice. So, I think our audience is really excited to hear what is your thought that rocks. Thoughts that rock. Number one. The thought that that rocks for me and that has rocked my world, both personally and professionally, is don't forget where you came from, but don't you dare ever let it solely define you. Hmm. It's this idea of um, evolution and transformation and permission to change, and not just permission to change. Um, an obligation to change, a commitment to grow and not letting, you know, I I like to decode that statement by also saying our past is our truth and our roots, but it is not our jail. Mm -hmm. And you see not, not for us as individuals and um, certainly not for a company or a team or a brand. And those who allow their past to be their jail um, end up, you know, getting passed by um, by competition or other businesses or by opportunity. 
And so I just, the, the phrase is really foundational to my mindset as a, as a human and as a leader. Well, it's a, obviously it's a great relevant uh, advice for the times, for sure. I think everybody could, could resonate with it. Where, where did that originally come from? It started as um, notes that my mom wrote on my birthday cards. As I started getting more in the media, she would write different versions of it. You know, don't forget where you came from or the sky's the limit or um, you're not defined by your past. You know, she she would write pieces that were so consistent over the years that I mushed them together. And they became this phrase, hmm. don't forget where you came from, but don't you dare ever let it solely define you. Our truth is our roots, but our past is not our jail. Like that, it just, it, it was her mom guidance um, <laughs> that was encouraging me along my path while not wanting me to get caught up in a lot of um, the media and, and forget my roots. You know, it was, it depended on the year, what her counsel was, <laughs> was it, don't forget where you came from because you, I don't want to see you get too big for your britches uh, or you're not defined by so much of what people are talking about or your past that, you know, the world is your banana and yeah, go after it. Okay. And so that it was like these bumpers in the bowling alley that kept me from getting too far on either side of either feeling bound by my history or not honoring it in some yeah. way and getting too far away from it. So that's, that's, it's, that's the origin story. So good. Yeah. You know, I think Kat, a lot of the work that I do around values, it, we come across this a lot, right. Of, and I just had this conversation. I was telling Jim about it the, before we started recording today that I was having this conversation with a successful entrepreneur who we were working through some of uh, identifying some of their core values. And one of the ones that was missing from my perspective for him was this word impact. And he told me he had a real aversion to uh, selecting that as one of his core values because he didn't like who he used to be. And he felt like, you know, when he was younger, if anyone knew him then and saw him claiming that impact was one of his core values would, would call BS on it, you know, mm -hmm. because they didn't experience that from him. But that to me is like, it's one of the saddest things to be trapped in who you used to be. Um, and, and like this idea, like you can't experience transformation or you can't get to this other level and, and learn from your mistakes and, and become a better human. Um, that to me is, is I think, we see it a lot, um, especially with people in their forties. I find that like they, they, they still are holding on to bad decisions that they made in their twenties or thirties and they just can't seem to get past or they can't accept themselves or love themselves who, for who they've become. And it's become this stumbling block. Have you experienced that yourself in, in some of the leading of the organizations that you have over the last you know decade or so? Yeah. And I think the key is it's not either or, you know, there's no way it, to use that person's example to move to this impact purpose statement mm -hmm. and without acknowledging what the past was. That's why the phrase is so powerful. It's like, don't forget where you came from. So yeah, he, it would be really odd if yep. he had a certain past and all of a sudden is like impact, impact, impact. But if, <laughs> if he's, right. if he comes out and says impact, you know, driven by the fact that I used to live a different way yeah, and I now see a better way and want to help people on their journey who were like I was back then. Who can argue with that? <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, it's the, 
it's the it's the forthcoming honoring of both where i'm coming from and where i'm heading and i remember that where i first learned this lesson and the way that you are you are describing it um and then the way that that person you're working with is experiencing it is when i was a waitress and i remember the first time one of the managers came to me and said i want you to be the shift leader Mm. and the shift leader means you're still a waitress but you're actually making sure the other servers do their job before they leave. They're cleaning their tables. If they have any what's called side work, you know, clean up the waiter station, um, restack the menus, refill the salt and pepper shakers, right? Your job is to do your job as a peer and then essentially to be the manager, the boss, the leader, the supervisor, whatever word you want to use. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I led one of those shift leader shifts or head weight, what, you know, it's called different things in the restaurant business. And one of my fellow servers said, who are you to tell me <laughs> that this isn't done adequately because you don't do it right. I'm the shift leader. <laughs> and, um, and I remember, I'll never forget, I had the, I had a fork in the road. I love these forks in the road, these mm-hmm. like mental forks in the road, where I could have either been like, yeah, girl, you're right. It's cool. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> or, you know what? You're right. I should have done it well the whole time. I didn't. I now see why it's so important. I am doing it right now, and so should you. Yeah. And that is an example, even though it's so simple. Yeah of acknowledging my past, but not being held prisoner to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And that, that simple muscle that I learned because I continued to take on leadership roles of people who just the day before were my peers. Yeah. And that forces you to have to get good at acknowledging where you have not been perfect and still being willing to make your own changes and ask that of others. Yeah. Um, and so, and then that just kept happening, right? Year after year, role after role, company after company, even after I was a president, I was a peer of other presidents. And then I was, I became the leader of my peers. And there were things I needed them to do better that were very different from exactly what I was doing the day before. But now we're working on making it better together. Yep. And so the only way you can move forward is in fact by acknowledging yeah. that it there is a difference from what you did before. Sure. Well, what I love, and, and I learned this uh, about you, Kat, the other day, even that uh, I was reading in this article that just came out in Forbes uh, about you. And, and one of the things that I've always really, really admired about you is that you've always, it may not have been the direct route. It may not have been the easiest path, but you have always sort of creatively found a way to, to get to that next level, to make these things happen, to achieve these goals that you have set for yourself. And one of the things that blew me away was this fact that you end up getting an MBA mm-hmm. without getting your bachelor's. And that to me is like, first of all, I didn't even know that that was possible. Second of all, I'm sitting here going, well, if anyone would have figured out how to do it, <laughs> it's cat goal. And that to me 
is is this idea of you could have, and I think there are a lot of people who might use something like that as an excuse, right? Well, I don't, I never did this, or I didn't have time to do that, so I can't do this. But you have always found this creative way to continue to be able to move forward. So you might look at something from your past that maybe didn't go as exactly as you thought it should or could have at that time, but just circumstances didn't present themselves in the moment, but you've still found a way to continue to move forward. And how have, how have you approached things like that, that for some people may be a, an immovable stumbling block that they can't get past? Part of what I believe is the lifeblood of the immovable stumbling block is getting caught up in disagreeing with criticism or barriers to begin with. Hmm. And when I hear someone say, uh, you know, give me a criticism or present a barrier, my in, I have learned to assume first that that might be accurate. So one, I'm not spending any energy on debating something that very likely has at least a grain of truth. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it is the ego in the very technical sense, not in a negative sense. It is the ego that actually becomes the immovable object. Mm. And if I can lower the negative parts of ego, being worried about the optics of being wrong, being worried about the optics of being called out or not being perfect or having something in my way, then I can put my energy into whatever the solution might be. And so that's part of it. I see so many people just stall out because they're not willing to accept or consider what might be in front of them. So for example, I had a mentor who said, going back to the MBA example, um, you will have trouble getting through the HR filters of companies outside of your industry if you don't have an advanced degree. Now, this was in 2008. Sure. It's a little different today. Right. Still true in some industries and certainly at some levels. Yeah. But it, but less true today. I mean, there's definitely more openness for like creative approaches to experience and education, and I'm a huge proponent of that. But when she said that to me, instead of thinking, you're wrong, I'm awesome, <laughs> and if anybody doesn't see it, that's their problem, <laughs> right? right? It was, okay, if you're right, and you might be, yep. and you probably are, given yep. who this person is. Yes. <laughs> she knows a lot about this. Um, why would I want any doors closed to me? if it's not that complicated to make sure that as many doors are open as possible. And then she said, you know, you really should pursue an advanced degree. It would help make sure you have open access to all of these opportunities that you rightly deserve as an executive. And I said, well, I haven't finished my bachelor's and I've tried um, several times to get that done. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just don't have the time. And she said, you know, I know someone who has, um, was able to find a way through an executive MBA program. They have to take the GMAT and the GRE and you can't skate in, you know, you've got to intellect your way into it, but I believe you can do it. There is a way around it. It's rare, but it's possible. And that's all I needed to hear. So the other piece of this is being open to having discussions around my barriers Mm -hmm. and around people's feedback so that I can have access to the many different types of solutions that they have seen that I may at any given point in time be unaware of. And that was certainly the case 
in what became the path to me even knowing that getting an MBA without a bachelor's is possible. Um, and then understanding that it was, again, rare, not easy, but possible. And that's all I needed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I went and did the research and figured it out and followed the path and voila. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. You know, I was thinking about the thought and as you were talking as well, I, you know, when I start to think about where I came from, but trying to not let it define me, I, I think I'm a pretty frugal guy. You know, I don't spend a lot on me, almost to a fault. Brant sort of makes fun of me at times because I don't have the latest technology, perhaps. But he has I, an iPhone 4, cat. <laughs> is there something more that you <laughs> need? Like, I, don't, I, don't I don't even know those existed. But see, I, I love spending, uh, I think, the money on people in my life or those in need. And I know Kat is, is just that is part of her DNA. But Versus, I guess, inheriting or being handed wealth. You know, most people, I think, particularly in our audience here, you know, there's they, they've come from somewhere else, right? There, there's something so empowering, so rewarding about building your own career from the ground up, whether they came out of poverty or they're learning a skill or education or opportunity or whatever it is. It helps to ground you when you can, you know, become successful on your own or through the help of some some friends or whatever. And I guess my question would be, as as you look at your past, your journey, you know, knowing your story as well, there's a lot of it that you had to do on your own, but you certainly have used a lot of other resources. Maybe mm -hmm. in your current role, how does your thoughts sort of play out in real time in your life as sort of a, a gut check, I guess, for your mom's advice? You know, it's it's really, I think the, the, rem the reminder I give myself is that we're all blinded by our own progress. And in fact, the however you want to word it, the farther I go, the higher up I go, the larger my role, mm -hmm. the more likely I am missing important perspectives that could help me continue a path of growth and development. And I, so I have a belief, I have like a fear, <laughs> an almost irrational fear that there are things I should be seeing that I'm not. There are things I should be doing that I'm not. And that is what leads me to practicing what I've shared for years, this version of self-coaching, this hotshot rule, where I envision someone in my role that I admire with fresh eyes who just looks at my world as it is today. And I ask myself, what's, what's the first thing and one thing they would immediately do differently because it's obvious to them. And there's something about being able to put myself in that position in a way that's healthy, not in a way that's daunting and makes me feel like I'm less than, you know, than I should be, but rather that's inspiring and refreshing. And it's funny. I practice this every week and every week there is something that I know hmm. if one of you were to take over my role or take over my life and look at it, I, it comes to me almost immediately because in the back of our minds, we know, you know, other people are telling us we can sense it. We're just blinded by our own progress. It's just that my life and my company and my world is so much better today than it used to be. But if you took it over today, it would be the worst it will ever be yeah. to you. Mm. And that is bananas. It's the best it's ever been to me. And you could take over my job tomorrow and you're going to say, this is the worst it will ever be <laughs> only up from here, kids, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's so fun. that exercise helps me. And then I take action on whatever that thing is that I think about. And then I share it with my team. So it shows this vulnerability, this openness to action, um, this bias for action, a commitment to constant improvement, 
And sometimes I say, I'm, I practice the hotshot rule and this is what I came up with. But other times it's much less formal. Like, hey, I was just thinking about if you were in my seat, what you would do if you were me. And I know it's this. And every time I tell them about an action I took, somebody says some version of what took you so long. Mm-hmm. Every time. Because they know. Like the people who are closest to the action know what the right thing to do is long before the leader makes the decision. It's just the way of the world. Um, so this self-coaching exercise is how I disrupt this crisis of comfort that comes from success. Mm-hmm. Well, I love the fact that without even realizing this, you're, you're doing what songwriters do all the time. See, if we only wrote about our own personal experiences, we'd be pretty limited to what we can write about. Mm-hmm. So you have to get comfortable with putting yourself in the shoes of other people and trying to live vicariously through them to be able to write about experiences that you might not have actually experienced yet. And so that sort of process of putting yourself in, in someone else's shoes and asking what they would do is exactly what we try to do when we, when we want to craft a song about something that we haven't quite had the personal experience, but we still want it to be believable and real and all those other sorts of things. So I love that you're actually using this as a coaching exercise to expand upon experiences that you haven't had the opportunity yet to, to walk through. I think that's amazing. Not only for herself, right? But she's teaching other people to do yeah. it. Cause I, even in the restaurant industry, it's so funny. You would watch the entire team. The general manager gathers all of the managers, all the staff together. They work on stuff tirelessly because they know the multi-unit director of operations is going to come in. And sure enough, it's kind of like the hot shot role. They're able to walk in and it's just like, you know, aliens jumping off the, you know, onto people's face. You can see things a mile away that's sitting right there in front of you. And it's just when you start to become that much more aware, and I, I would assume, Kat, that you're not just talking about in business too. I think if people in their personal life or in in uh, you know society right now, if they just thought a little bit more, took a step back and thought, what do you see differently than me that perhaps can make things better? You know, you might be able to amp up your life. You might actually mm-hmm. have your mind changed a little bit, right? Yep. Yeah, I use it for my personal relationship. I use it for health and fitness. And again, this can be used to a negative degree. You know, someone could practice this and then feel daunted, feel um, overcome with disappointment and frustration. It So you really do need to consciously approach it with the desire to get the best of the exercise, mm-hmm. the inspiration from it, the motivation from it. It is not about further pointing out what you already feel is a failing in your life. It's yeah. about just recognizing that there there is something that is immediately actionable. And in the instance that you're just not acting on it when someone else would right away, why can't that be me? And maybe that's a helpful yeah. enough motivation to do something about it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's honestly, it's the perfect transition to, it is. to what we wanted to share with you from, uh, from our perspective as to what our thought that rocks this week is. It comes from Maya Angelou and, and it's this. Thoughts that rock number two. Uh, do the best you can until you know better Then when you know better, do better. And I think we've all heard this quote at one time or another, and we've used it in different ways. But what I love about this, especially sort of in connection with your thought is really, I think this quote, often we focus on the do better, but I don't think there's been a more important time, at least in our lifetimes, than to really look at what knowing better is. (laughs) And 
and what you just described of sort of from from sort of putting yourself in other people's shoes and trying to figure out what they would do that's all part of the know better process and when we see all sort of the civil unrest that's happening right now and our country's divided and we're trying so hard everybody's focused on the do better <laughs> but we have to take a step back i believe to really focus on knowing better and that requires some vulnerability that requires some listening that requires some focus and and the ability to sort of approach it as you initially said with your thought which is there's a grain of truth to whatever it is that we are looking at right yeah. now and even if it flies against everything that you believe in you have to have the sort of courage to look at it and go what if this was true and can we look at that? Can we, can we dig a little bit deeper so that what we know actually can affect what we do? And to me, that is, I mean, I, you know, we, we follow you cat on, on, uh, social media and we know how important you feel these things are. And, and, and I just feel like there has never been a more important time for us to take a step back and really look at knowing better and what defining what knowing better means to us as individuals. Are you finding yourself sort of called to that right now a little bit more just with, with everything that's happening in the world? Oh, yes. Um, I think everyone is colliding with realities they may or may not have understood, seen, believed, or fully internalized. And then the, then you hear the phrase, I didn't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and the reality is though, if you have deeper conversations, people will say things that reveal that they actually do know. Yes. And so it's, it, I don't know if it's the no better part for me. I love the way you said it. I think that's a really great angle to explore um, with people. But what I have found is that the no better is a harder lift than getting people to acknowledge what they should do differently with what they actually already know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that has, that, that is most obvious in the area of systemic racism sure. where you, know, you have conversations and people say, Oh my gosh, I didn't know it was this bad. Right. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know this was going on. And, and then in a safe space, they will tell stories about, well, but my uncle always says this. And he's so, <laughs> Right. You know, he's so old school. And, and a friend of mine always says these things, but that's just Jimmy. He's just, you know, he, he's just not as progressive in his thinking. And it's like, then, you know, yeah, right. You, yeah. you know, you just haven't known how important it is or acknowledged how important it is to do something about what, you know, even in your own small world, right. not reacting to the worst of things, reacting to the earliest signs of these things. Yeah. And so I have spent more energy um, in my circle, you know, change the world, start at home. So it's my circle, my friends, my family, my company, mm -hmm. um, because that's where I have influence um, and, and challenging myself of what more can we do with what we already know. And then naturally people are on a journey of knowledge. Our information diet is changing and expanding to this buffet of stuff um, that is on social media, on media. Some of it is the, a bright light being shined on truths of yeah. people's lived experiences that have not been universally seen or understood to the depths that they should be. And that is a good thing. 
Um, and then there's just the, the insanity of it, right? The, the, whatever you want to call it, the spin on news, the propaganda, the bots, the, the information diet is a messy buffet. And so (laughs) I'd rather encourage people not to know more to maybe to use your word, know better focus on what you already do know and maybe challenge. Is there anything differently I should be doing with what I do know? Yeah, yeah. And out of that action, out of those interactions, actually then is like the birth of more knowledge of knowing better. Because now I have, I did something differently and somebody reacted to it. And now I saw it even more clearly. And now I know better. Um, and because I'm having these conversations with people and I'm getting reactions and I'm making mistakes because I'm talking about things I'm typically not talking about and I'm getting called out. Now I know better, mm-hmm. you know, and I can do better. And so that, um, just in general is an area where I believe as we have more interactions on social, on podcasts, on these virtual platforms, on these audio platforms, it is an opportunity to collide with diverse lived experiences. And the key is, is, is any individual able to, in their mind, believe someone else's reality that seems so different from yeah. their own. Yeah. And people struggle with that, right? Yeah. Especially if it's in the same city where it's like, how? It, I mean, it's almost disbelief. I heard someone call it um, the privilege of comfort. I call it the crisis of comfort, where my, my memory of this place is in no way connected to your memory of this place. Therefore, I am discrediting your memory. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and that, um, and, Look, that's true in marriages, yeah. right? Like like how I saw the relationship is very different than how you live the relationship. And how could we have been in the same house and have such different memories? And if that is true in a house, imagine how it is true in different teams on companies, yep. in different neighborhoods, in a city, certainly in different like macro communities. Sure. And so I just, I have this deep respect for how many things can be true at once. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that there isn't still reconciliation of what a set of beliefs um, of what was or is actually going on. And then a shared communal set of efforts around moving to a better way without discrediting my history or discrediting your history or memory, but rather acknowledging that they are different and distinct. And maybe therein lies the both the problem and the opportunity. Right. This is why I love the quote so much because I think you are a prime example of this. You talked about this earlier of, you know, you're controlling, at least you start with your own inner circle. And I'm a big believer and a fan. I talk about this all the time about learned behaviors. I think that, you know, people start off being a certain way because this is how they were raised either, you know, from their parents or mentors or bosses or friends or the playground or whatever, even leaders in in a company And I think, you know, there might be an epiphany for them to say, geez, I need to think about it differently because this person does it differently or this is what they said. I mean, I can I clearly remember, um, you know, having conversations with people about littering when I was a kid. Like they just this is how my parents threw stuff on the ground. And all of a sudden that was a big deal when they saw that there's no need to do that or whether it was you know, spanking your kids or in this case, we're talking about racial bias or or anything in society Mm -hmm. these days. And I guess. You know, if I look at the quote, and I guess if you could go back in time and 
and try and, and provide that knowledge to a 15-year-old, 20-year-old, 25-year-old self and, and help you sort of guide your way, you know, if only, that would be awesome. But it doesn't work that way, right? You do the best you can back then. You didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. But once you attain knowledge, and I think that's the point, once you know better, now there's no excuse. You have to be able to start doing better in whatever it is. I mean, I'm trying to pick something so little or so big in society regardless. And I think that you now, you know, you've got this great platform and, you know, not only are you very, very, you know, knowledgeable about so many issues, but yet you're also still humble enough. You're still willing to look at somebody else's perspective and say, isn't it funny? We live on the same street, same community, same backgrounds, but yet you see something totally different. Let's find that common ground. And now we can get through that. Like we can have a conversation and perhaps one of us or both of us are going to have our minds changed, right? Yeah. And, and, and in the situations where I found the issues are so deep, the beliefs are so deep that to be honest, people aren't going to change their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are those things <laughs> with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, all of us, especially today. That then it's, yeah. And then it's just, okay, if I'm not going to change my mind, but I'm at least going to acknowledge that you have a valid different belief or perspective, then how can we coexist? Mm-hmm. How can we co-create a better way to be? And I mean, this plays out in even not so serious, like heavy societal ways in the franchise business, right? Like I'm, I have, we have leaders who are running brands who see the whole picture of the brand and have a responsibility to the many, many different regions and franchisees and stakeholders and different customers in different geographies. And then we have a single franchisee that has the experience of the five miles around their store. And we have to find a way to acknowledge that our perspective is valid, that their perspective is valid. There's a lot of connectivity between the two, but we have to agree on how we're going to make decisions as a community. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's a mindset that is driven by the belief that I never know the full picture Um, There are always things that are true for someone else's reality that are not obvious or maybe even not true for me and that those two things can exist. It doesn't make me right or them wrong or them right or me wrong. It does mean we have different experiences. And if we are colliding with each other, if we're affecting each other, then we have to find a way to seek to understand those different experiences and then go forward together with that understanding. It's Mm -hmm. true in business. It's true in um, small teams, big teams, franchise systems, retail systems, and it's true in society at large. Yeah, that's a great point. It is, yeah. I can't remember uh, the year before last, uh, I was on the board of directors for Children's Home Society in Florida, which is the foster care program, and and they have these alternate school programs where they they sort of bring in sort of these supplementary schools within a school and, and offer things like healthcare and dentist stuff and you know what I mean trying to make sure that these kids have access to those things and I'll never forget the time Kat I walked into the lobby and the uh, person working the front desk at this elementary school in this low income area in Cocoa Florida told me that something like 67% of the students were late that day and I was like I was shocked I'm like what do you mean 67% of the students are late and, and she said, well, most of these kids in this area, um, they're seven, eight, nine years old. 
and they're single parent households where the parent works. And so they're responsible for getting up, feeding themselves, getting to school Mm -hmm. on their own. And so 67% of the kids are late because they don't have anybody there who is helping them get to school on time. And that was so ground shakingly shocking to me that this is my backyard. I mean, I literally live five miles from where the school is and had no idea that this is what was happening under my own nose. And so you're, it, it comes back to once you know better, you have to do better. So mm-hmm. then I, then, then I, now that you know, now you're faced with the, the mm-hmm. question of what are you going to do? And so I had to find ways to get involved to, to try to, you know, fix this, this, and, and I hate even saying fix, just try to make it a little bit better because fixing it is a whole other story, <laughs> but, but trying to do what I can to, um, not with, with this sort of newfound knowledge to try to make the world a little bit better. And I think that that's, whether that's in your, your own household or your neighborhood or the organization or the team of which you work, I think it's so incredibly important that, um, we be willing to, to know better so that we can do better. And I think that we've seen Kat, you do that your entire career. She epitomizes it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Well, we can't thank you enough for giving us a little bit of time. Kat, we have, have wanted this interview since we started this podcast. We've had astronauts, we've had professional (laughs) athletes and, uh, you know, all we've wanted is to have Cat Cole on here because we're such huge fans of yours and the work that you've done and continue to do. So thank you so much for spending some time with us and our audience here on Thoughts That Rock. Yeah, thanks for having me. Can we, can we start the hashtag Cat Cole for president? I know it's out there already. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> when is that? When's that leave going to happen? Ready. Come on. Oh. Share something with us now. Come you on. Are, you have breaking news. Oh. <laughs> one day. One day. That's it. Honestly, yeah. where where can we send people to get a little bit more information uh, beyond, again, your bio in the show notes? Where would you like for people to stay connected or no, at least learn more um, about you? Yeah, they can um, connect with me on Twitter, of course. I have a newsletter. Um that with a lot of just like free thoughts on management and leadership, or they can, can, can subscribe for deeper dives into some topics um, on Substack. So it's called checking in. Uh, and yes. so um, a couple times a week, send out thoughts and lessons just to connect with people and share things in a different medium than um, just voice. But I'm always really active on, on Twitter and LinkedIn. So we're, I'm, I'm an, I'm on all the things. So wherever people are, <laughs> find me, Cat Cole ATL, or my newsletter checking in, uh, reach out on any of the social platforms. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, we love you. We uh, we love watching your journey and just continue impacting and influencing people. And uh, you're a rock star. And we're so thankful you spent some time with us. Thanks, Kat. Uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, 
as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.